Would you join me in a word of prayer? Thank you, Lord. Everything that we have is from you, Lord. So many times, I speak for myself, Lord. I take for granted the little things. Like our health. Like my health. Like my fingers and my toes, my feet, the shoes and the shirt on my back, Lord. Just pray, Lord, as we worship you this morning. Would we just remember where everything comes from, especially our hope. So we thank you for this time together in your word, Lord. Would you speak to us this morning in Jesus' Jesus. precious and mighty name we say, amen. 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 Good morning. Welcome. Glad you're here. You can be seated. Those of you that are joining us online, we're so glad that you are. Trust that you'll be blessed that you did. I'm going to get right to it. Is that okay? I hope you don't mind. Uh, first service is, of course, our prophecy update. We do this weekly, have for years. Second service is now the sermon, which is actually a verse-by-verse -verse study through the Word of God. We're currently in the book of Jude. And last week we only did one verse, so we're going to take another shot at this and do two verses today. <laughs> I know, live on the edge, man. Jude, verses 12 and 13. And what we're going to do is look at a seven question test. Don't you just love tests? Well, the good thing is that Jude provides us by the Holy Spirit with the answers to the questions in this test. But it's a seven test questions to determine and discern if I'm being duped and deceived by false Christians and influencers. And so that'll be second service. It'll be live streamed at 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time for those of you online. And for those of you that are joining us by way of YouTube or Facebook, we would really encourage you at this time to go directly to the website at jdfarag.org. There you'll find the uncensored and uninterrupted entirety of the update, as a lot of the material is, um, how do I say it, sensor sensitive? Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. All right, let's get to it. So <laughs> several weeks ago, I heard someone say that one of the main reasons most people will believe a lie is because, well, the truth is too unbelievable. So I totally stole it, being the godly, upright man of God that I am. I plagiarized it. I started quoting it in the weeks that followed. I don't remember from whom I heard it, nor where I heard it, but I just sensed that I needed to devote the entirety of today's update to it. Now, I want you to think through this with me, because if you really think about it, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we'll end with, as we always do at the end and have for years, is too unbelievable. Doubtless you've heard it said that that's just too good to be true. 
or truth is stranger than fiction, which is why many believe a lie. It's just more believable. It's more plausible to believe the lie than the truth, which is just too unbelievable. I mean, after all, there's no such thing as a free lunch, which is why many don't believe the truth that eternal life is free, a gift freely given. You don't pay for it. Jesus paid in full for it. Well, that's just unbelievable. That's too good to be true. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, listen, there may be no such thing as a free lunch, but there is such a thing as the gift of eternal life that is free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And that's the truth. Well, that's just too unbelievable. It doesn't mean it's not the truth. I inquired of the Lord about this truth of the truth being too unbelievable that most buy the lie. And in so doing, I went where all of us should always go, and that's to the word of truth. When you don't know, you go to what you do know to be the truth. And by the way, can I just get this off my chest? <laughs> you know you're in trouble when I start off like that, right? I am uh, hearing more in this last hour of human history as we know it. Well, that's just your truth. Oh, you heard that too? Okay. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bother with that. I am bothered by that, but I'm not going to bother with that. So I go to the Word, and where does the Lord take me but to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? A passage, a prophecy, a powerfully packed prophecy in God's Word that we have talked about and covered many times over the years. I think the only other passage or prophecy in the Word of God that we've covered more than 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, because we have 2 Thessalonians as a result of, this is not working very well, 1 Thessalonians. No, Paul had to write a second letter to the church in Thessalonica because of what he wrote in his first letter, which by the way, was his first letter to the church in Thessalonica that he started. And he spent, some believe, maybe a few weeks at the very most, maybe three months before he was ran out of town, literally, from Thessalonica. But while he was there, he taught them. These are new believers, young believers in Christ, and he started that church, and he loved that church and those in that church. So the reason why we have Second Thessalonians is because of First Thessalonians. That's, that was my point. That might be the biggest point I have in the entire update. I don't know. But when I went back to Second Thessalonians 2, a 
passage familiar to most. It was of great relief to me because God reminded me that I wasn't plagiarizing, I was preaching (laughs) the truth from God's word of truth, because this is exactly what Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is writing to this church concerning the truth in relationship to the lie. Now notice, not a lie, the lie. Not a truth, the truth. Let's be clear on that, please. Jesus did not say, I am a way, a life, a truth, No, he said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. And the only way to get to the Father is through me. The only way, the truth. In other words, the truth is personified in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the truth. All right. I want us to, if I can just ask you to kindly allow me to go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to begin reading in verse 1, and I want to go through to verse 12. And I would just ask that you allow the Holy Spirit to speak in and through the Word of God to you, and just be cognizant of how the enemy will try to do everything to distract you and get your mind to wander and think about something other than what we have in front of us here today in in God's Word. So let's focus, okay? Paul's writing and he says, verse 1, now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him. Stop right there. Did you notice the distinction between the two? The coming of our Lord is the second coming of Jesus Christ when Jesus comes with us, and the gathering together to Him is the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ when Jesus comes for us. Did you get that? Please make that distinction, because that's going to set the tone, the precedent, if you prefer, for the understanding of the entire prophecy that's written here for us. There's the second coming and the rapture, the gathering together to Him. No, He's not coming, we're going. Some of your translations render it, the assembling of ourselves together with Him. We ask you, now Paul is asking them, please, I know you guys are freaking out right now, but don't be. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter or by YouTube video. Just let me have that one. Because if this were written in our day, that's what it would say. What do you mean? Because apparently there was something going viral on social media at the time that 
had really shook them. And this idea in the original is that they were so shaken and so upset, upset, everything was now kapakahi, as we would say. Because somebody put out a YouTube video slash a forged letter saying, you know what, we're already in the tribulation. Wow, not a lot's changed. Do you know that as I stand before you today behind this pulpit, as is my privilege to, there are those who are saying we're already in the tribulation. That is false. That is not true. And this is why Paul is writing to the church. They thought they were already in the tribulation. And if they were already in the tribulation, that meant only one thing. They missed the rapture. Wait a minute. What, what do you mean? Well, see, kind of getting ahead of myself, they knew that when Paul was with them, he taught them that the rapture would happen before the tribulation. And now they've got somebody coming along, putting out YouTube videos saying we're already in the tribulation, and it's contradicting what Paul taught them about the rapture before the tribulation. So they concluded wrongly, which really messed them up that if what they're saying about us already being in the tribulation, then we miss the rapture. So this is what Paul says to them. He says, don't be troubled in mind or spirit by this, as if from us. Some believe they even put Paul's name on this letter that was circulating and going viral as if Paul had written this, which as you might imagine would have been met with quite a bit of consternation concerning them already being in the tribulation, because it was diametrically opposed to what Paul taught them. So he says, don't let this shake you, as though the day of the Lord had come already started. The day of the Lord is the tribulation. The day of the Lord's not the rapture. The day of the Lord is the tribulation. That great and final day when the wrath of God is poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. That's the day of the Lord. And so they had been told that we're already in the day of the Lord. It's already started. We're already in the tribulation. I got a, I get so many. <laughs> Somebody's, I guess, nothing new under the sun. Uh, the first two seals have already been opened. Really? Well, that's very interesting. That means the tribulation's already started. That means the Antichrist has already been revealed, because that's actually the first seal, is the revelation of the Antichrist, the rider of the white horse. But see, they're all messed up and twisted up, and their prophecy has been twisted into a prophecy pretzel. I mean, they're all messed up, and they're messing people up. So 
what we're going to try to do today is unmess people who were messed up. Okay? Let no one deceive you, verse 3, by any means. For that day, the tribulation, will not come unless, and here's that word again, the, not a, falling away, departure, the departure, the rapture comes first. Bear with me. And again, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you to use your God-given intellect and think this through with me. Why would these Thessalonians be so disturbed by some report saying that they were already in the tribulation, lest they truly believe that the rapture was before the seven-year tribulation. Because if you think about it, if they watched a YouTube video about, hey, we're already in the tribulation, they would not be as shaken as they were concerning the rapture before the tribulation. What was really messing them up was their sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture. And by the way, verse 3 is, <laughs> there's no shortage of, I want to use the word debate, but that's really an understatement. How about dispute? That's still an understatement. How about, well, I won't use that word, but there's no shortage of disagreement, shall we say, concerning verse 3. And the problem is, is that there are those who believe that this is speaking of an apostasy of falling, a falling away, not the falling away. That's more specific, isn't it? This is an event. There's always been apostasy. It's, it's immeasurable. You cannot gauge it if it's just A, falling away. But what changes the whole complexion of verse 3 is when you understand it in the context of, hey, these Thessalonians thought they were already in the tribulation, and they were very upset, because if they're in the tribulation, that means they missed the pre-tribulation rapture. So if Paul's trying to accomplish what he's wanting to accomplish, which is to settle them and reset them and get them right back to sound doctrine concerning the pre-tribulation rapture. How's he going to do that except to say, you didn't miss the rapture? Because this is what's going to happen first. Then, after the rapture, you didn't miss the rapture because after the rapture, the man of sin, the Antichrist, is revealed. So please, I, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, <laughs> translated, I beg of you, please, I'm pleading with you, understand that the Antichrist cannot be revealed until the church of Christ is removed. That is sound doctrine. That is the truth. Now, Paul's going to go on to expound, just to kind of settle them down, because they're all worked up. So there's going to be the rapture 
coming first, then the Antichrist will be revealed, this man of sin, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's in the tribulation. You guys, it hasn't happened yet, because the rapture has to happen first. Then it will happen. This is a reference to what Jesus spoke of in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, where he directly references Daniel 9, 27, concerning the abomination that causes desolation when the Antichrist demands to be worshiped in the newly rebuilt temple at the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation. So Paul's trying to get them set right again, because they're all mixed up. So let's get this back in alignment here. Let's get our timeline right here. Verse 5. I love this. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Wait, what? Okay. You just got done telling me, Pastor, that the Apostle Paul started this church. These are new believers. And he was only there for, at best, three months. And he's teaching them Bible prophecy. Come on. These are new believers. Perfect. Dare I say that this may be one of the main reasons that Christians today never got grounded in sound doctrine at the beginning, which is why they never had that solid foundation. Because who's going to teach a new believer Bible prophecy? Isn't that like more for the mature believers? Oh, we're not worthy. No. These were new believers. And by the way, let me say, and I hope you don't tire of me saying this, the first time the Apostle Paul writes about the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's to this church in his first letter. And what is the gospel, which again we're going to end with? It's the death, burial, resurrection, and rapture when Jesus returns. It's not just that Jesus died for you, He was buried, He rose again on the third day, but good news, He's coming back again one day soon and very soon. That's the gospel. Please don't leave the rapture out of the gospel because you got out the gospel. Example. <sighs> Let me catch my breath. What's the good news? Jesus came, He died for you, He was crucified, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day. Have a nice day. That's it? That's it? Okay. Good news. <laughs> Wait, what about me? No, He rose again on the third day, defeating death, and He's coming back again one day, and He's going to take you away to that place that He prepared for you in His Father's house, of which it, it were not so. He would not have told you. That's the bridal chamber. So that's the good news. As Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story 
That's the gospel. Don't take the rapture out of it. Now, he goes on to say that, verse 6, and now you know, because again, I taught you this when I was there as new believers. I did prophecy updates until they kicked me out of town. And now, verse 6, you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Hang on to that. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then, verse 8, the lawless one will be revealed. In other words, Thessalonians, Christians, it hasn't happened yet. You didn't miss the rapture. We're not in the tribulation yet. Because even though it's already at work, you already see it. Which is why, in all fairness, it doesn't excuse it, it might explain it. A lot of people think we're already in the tribulation because, well, we're very close to being in the tribulation. So it kind of feels like we are. It looks like we are. Because it's already looking like that and feeling like that because of how close we are to that. Already at work. It's already in play. The only thing holding it back is the Holy Spirit, the restrainer. And by the way, let's clear this up. The Holy Spirit is not removed. The, the church is. The Holy Spirit is just taken out of the way. Because right now the Holy Spirit, as the restrainer, is standing in the way of literally all hell breaking loose on earth. Imagine how things are right now. Nothing compared to what it's going to be like in the seven-year tribulation. Once the restrainer is taken out of the way, and then, by the way, we're out of the way, because we're in their way. You know that, right? They want us gone so we can get out of their way so they can have their way once we're out of the way, and the Holy Spirit's out of the way, and God's going to say, okay, have thine own way. Go ahead. Now, I want you to pay particular attention to verse 8, and then. Those are very important words. And then, you see the timeline here? This is a, what I call a prophetic timestamp. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Can't wait. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, verse 11, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. You see the contrast? The truth, the lie. They reject the truth, they believe the lie. That they all, verse 12, may be condemned who did not believe, and here it is again, the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Okay. 
It's upon this biblical foundation that I wish to build today's prophecy update, specifically as it relates to why it is that the multitudes reject the truth under the banner of it being so unbelievable that they believe the lie. Again, the lie is more plausible, more palatable, more believable. What's the lie? Here's the lie. The lie is you don't need God, who is no God at all, to have immortality, because you yourself can be your own God. That's the lie. That's the lie. We're going to talk more about this at the conclusion, but I've, I have so much to present and not enough time to present it. So we're going to do that at this time, but we're also going to at this time end the live stream on YouTube and Facebook. What follows comes chiefly from people I know personally and or online members who keep me apprised of information that they vetted, to whom I owe, by the way, a great debt of gratitude. I'll begin with a text exchange I had with Dr. Chris Dubuque, who many of you know here in our church. Some of you have made him your primary care physician. I had the profound privilege of meeting and talking with Chris and his wife when they started attending the church several years ago now. And since then, they've been a tremendous blessing to the body. Dr. Chris was actually one of our team members on the recent medical missions trip to Nepal. And he continues to serve the Lord faithfully and tirelessly, especially having been called to the medical field, which is like the one place I would not want God to call me to. Famous last words, be careful, right, what you, <laughs> here am I, send me, O oh Lord. Be very careful with that one. Here's what he wrote me. Aloha, Pastor. This document, which was published last Monday, February 19th, we're going to provide a link to it on our website, is a brand new peer-reviewed journal article in the medical literature. It is important and significant to me because I am seeing an unprecedented amount of non-pathogen respirator cases in the last four years. My office is overwhelmed with sick calls that are none other than respiratory inflammation. I have no explanation for it other than the fact that people are being injected with gene therapy spike proteins, which are the man-made inflammatory mediator. However, I have seen a significant spike again since the spring of last year, and it's been getting worse. In fact, it's so bad, there isn't a day that goes by where we don't have at least 10 to 15 new cases of allergic asthma, bronchitis, or allergic symptoms such as allergic rhinitis or sinus and other upper airway problems. Daily new diagnoses, 10 to 15 a day. 
I'm making new diagnoses of asthma on a daily basis. Those who had asthma under control are now out of control. Those with no history of disease are getting the diseases. Of course, it's not just the increased inflammation from this series of injections, which by the way, listen to this, by 18 years of age, a minor would have already received a total of 100 so-called vaccines, 18 years of age. It's also the inflammatory processed foods, the antibiotics, and the gen genetically modified organism properties, GMOs. Monsanto is doing the damage. There's a reason why French fries never used to cause heart attacks, and now 25 to 40 year olds are dying suddenly. Also, in the last few months, we've been seeing the strangest dust on our windows and on the tops of our cars and on our solar panels and on our roofs. It's a contaminant. It ain't pollen. It's a chemical. I've been saying that they're putting something in the air and the attached PDF tries to explain away the geoengineering and the severe storms we are having, which are making meteorologists' heads spin. It's weaponized weather. The environment is being used as a tool to achieve power, rather than an end goal being made to save humanity. Well, in a subsequent text exchange, he shared this with me, and I want to share it with you. Did you know that on the three occasions that I went to Lahaina on Maui, I developed asthma symptoms? This is Dr. Chris. The winds are still strong there and stir up whatever chemicals were left behind there from the event. I believe they are hiding evidence by removing the rubble to a new location and burying it in an aquifer to poison the people. Oh, come on, pastor, Th that now. Can I just ask you, it's rhetorical, but it's a question that I would like to ask you for you to answer between you and the Lord. Is what Dr. Chris just shared, too unbelievable to be true? That they're, they're poisoning land, air, and sea, is that too unbelievable to you to be true? Now, no, nobody's that evil, really. No, they would never do that, really. You'll forgive my sanctified cynicism. Of course, I'm the pastor. Cynicism is sanctified when you're the pastor. But it's for this reason, please hear me out, that what really happened on September the 11th of 2001 is so unbelievable that people will believe the lie about 9-11. Because there's no way, no way they would do that. 
way. No, that's, that's, that's just too unbelievable. That, that can't be true. It's, too, it's just too unbelievable. Is it too unbelievable? Here's another question. I got several. So here's another one. Is this notion that what happened in Lahaina too unbelievable to you to be true? The evil of those on the part of those who perpetrated that event? Is that too unbelievable for you to be true? <laughs> it, it, this uh, last uh, comment about they're, they're burying it in this aquifer, is that too unbelievable? Is that, is that too unbelievable? Believe it. Believe it. Is it easier for you? Is it an easier do to believe getting back to 9-11, which by the way is a biggie? Is it too unbelievable? And so what you do is because it's more believable to believe the lie about what happened on 9-11 than it is to believe the truth about 9-11. Is it just easier for you? Despite, by the way, the irrefutable evidence to the contrary. You can present the evidence, the truth, and still people will believe the lie. Because it's just too unbelievable. And when I say too unbelievable, I mean it's too unbelievable to be believable. <laughs> the lie is more believable. So I'm going to believe the lie that's more believable because the truth is too unbelievable and it's unbelievable so it can't be true. I'm going to leave it at that because this next one comes from an online member who wishes to remain anonymous. She writes, Dear Pastor JD, I have listened to you since 2019. Thank God I found you before COVID. Thank you for being bold. I wish our pastor was bull. I am writing today to share information I received from my daughter this morning. She was excited to tell me that her company just landed a $30 million contract from the NIH, National Institutes of Health, for a, listen, genomic research study. You can find the abstract for it on their website, which is pictured here. We'll provide a link. Interesting to note, it was published last Monday, February 19th, the same day as the aforementioned Medical Journal publication that Dr. Chris sent me, Monday. The title of the article is, Genomic Data in All of Us Research Program. They want to genetically map over one million people in the United States to accelerate biomedical research and improve human health. Aww. If you believe that, I have waterfront property in Arizona to sell you. I, I like her. <laughs> That's good. I like that. I know this will be used for evil. 
probably to kill us. My daughter's not a believer and has bought the propaganda and lie hook, line and sinker. I thought this may be something you might want to add to your, there's trying to kill us library. How did you know I had a, that's classified information. I have a file, they're trying to kill us file. It's this thick now. <laughs> but this is sad. Please pray for her and her family. I want her to get saved before Jesus comes and gets us. God bless you and your family, Maranatha. Come Lord Jesus. This one comes from a dear friend and sister in Christ, JB, who's in Japan. We've had the honor of hosting her when she's come here to Hawaii to share with us about what God is doing through the amazing translation ministry from English to Japanese of our Bible teachings and prophecy updates. I, I've asked her to keep me apprised of what's happening in Japan, and she's been very faithful and thorough to do so. I want to share with you the PowerPoint slides or the information from them, which we'll also include a link to, that she sent me. This is very thorough research. And as I do, I want to just read her email uh, concerning the devastation to the people of Japan from this injection. Here's what she sent me. Aloha, JD. I want to tell you a brief message. Hope this will be helpful about mRNA production in Japan. I want you to read this about the passport novel transdermal drug delivery system. They reported that the production of the full scale supply domestically and worldwide is targeted for 2025. They tried to start this month in February of 2024, but they seemingly failed. Thank you, Lord. That's the restrainer, which caused a delay. However, the target is still 2025 with mandatory vaccinations announced for some publicly listed companies starting in March of 2025. According to a Nikkei.com article, there were more than, I want you to try to get your mind around this number, 1.58 million deaths in just 2022. That's the entire population of the island of Oahu, plus all of the tourists, plus their dogs. <laughs> 1.58 million. That was just 2022. It's the most in the post-war period in the COVID-19 aftermath. Details about the reasons, of course, are not found. Surely there were more deaths than this in 2023 and maybe still counting. This means a few prefectures are gone. These are areas that are known as prefectures in Japan. They're gone. They've been gutted out. But people do not recognize that. In Japan, 99% except for a few towns must be cremated immediately after the funeral according to law. Currently, a 12-day waiting period to cremate is required now. Churches in Japan have pastors who just graduated from a Bible college or university, so now anyone can just be a pastor. Who made this rule? 
So we cannot say all of these pastors are really saved, really believe in Jesus. That's why churches in Japan have been prone to be religionized. That's an interesting word. Religionized in humans' role without the truth. I do mean your teachings are very, very important to spread Jesus and the Word in Japan. Praise the Lord. A bit of good news. As I told you, the Lord led me to go to a disability facility four months ago. I am there for seven hours once a week. The shots were promoted starting in March of 2021 when they urged people who were over 65 and disabled to take the first one. My people at the facility have done so with the women taking it three to four times, and the men have taken it seven times now. I was trembling to know that, and I know it's very selfish, but I pray to the Lord that there is no shedding on me. I would pray the same thing. I do not know when I will stop going there, because the management does not know that I have not taken any shots. I sure hope the management is not watching. I believe the Lord protects no matter what happens, and He protects my disabled people too. They are living with seven shots. That's a miracle. Now I understand the reason why Jesus went to the weak people soon after His teachings. I'm so blessed because they are waiting for me every weekend, even for a short time. I'm praying that He goes before me to guide when He wants me to tell them something. This is just, I hope, to make you laugh. She knows that I like to laugh. Every Monday morning, your Sunday afternoon, when I wake up, the first thing I do, which makes the Lord laugh, is check the length of your teachings. If you could just see the emojis after that. You know, to translate five minutes of your teachings in the Japanese takes one hour, because automatic translation is not available for Japanese titles. So I want to know the length of your teachings. The Japanese team has prayed that they will get shorter. <laughs> Did I just hear an amen or two after that? But the more we pray, the longer they get. I know if our motives are not right, He does not answer the prayer as you taught. So the Lord is always laughing with me. All right, let's keep moving. Actually, we know all your teachings are important and blessed, and even if they are so lengthy, He gives us His strength to translate and publish them so quickly and timely. He is doing it, not us. We do this so joyfully in the Lord. J.D., we do love you and your family and our church family. Please know you are all so prayed for, praising the Lord, who will do a great miracle. Let's go from Japan to the UK. Pictured here is a report, recent report, from the Office for National Statistics, which surprisingly provides links to Excel spreadsheets, which I actually checked a few out showing the shocking data that England has suffered, and this is conservative, an estimated 1 million COVID vaccine deaths, not COVID deaths, vaccine so-called deaths in just two years. Again, it's just a number. Just to put it into perspective, try to count to 10,000. You'll fall asleep long before. I don't know if I'd make it to 100. <laughs> 
just try to just to put it into try to just count to a small number like that, and then you get an idea. When you talk about a million people, it can be a mind-numbing number, just as JB's number out of Japan, 1.58 million people. Additionally, at this site, which again we've provided a link to, there are a number of charts, like the one that's pictured here, that support this data which is conclusive in every respect that the COVID-19 injections are deadly and prove that they are killing people. Is that too unbelievable to believe? That this was deliberately pre-planned even decades before, which we've talked about over the last almost three, four years now, actually, four years. Can you believe it? Is that too unbelievable to be true? This last one is from David Indy. He's another online member who keeps me abreast of many prophecy-related matters, some of which are patents, like the one pictured here, bearing the patent name of DNA-based identification and tracking system. This and the next one to follow are just two examples of what are arguably the most astounding U.S. patents specific to Bible prophecy in the book of Revelation, which will find their ultimate fulfillment in the seven-year tribulation, which we're not in yet. We're close to it. We're on the cusp of it. But it hasn't started yet. But it's about to as evidenced by all of this evidence, this unbelievable evidence. The second patent is for, and I quote, a system to achieve digital immortality. Let that sink in. Is that too unbelievable for you to be true? You know what they're trying to do? What actually they have the satanic intelligence, SI, not AI, to do? Because see, Satan has imparted this other world intelligence to these people in exchange for their souls. So they buy the lie, and Satan, in exchange, gives them this evil. Because after all, when Eve was deceived by the father of lies, the devil himself, as the serpent in the garden, did he not deceive Eve to believe the lie that she would certainly not die, but have immortality apart from God, vis-a-vis -vis her becoming like God, if she would but eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, the knowledge of evil, as it was in the days of Noah. Their, their thoughts, their imaginations, their inventions, their patents were only always evil continually, unbelievably evil. He, he, 
You, easy for me to say. That is so unbelievable. Well, listen, if it's so unbelievable, it's probably something that is believable. No, but nobody can be that evil. Wait a minute. They've partaken from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They have the knowledge of this evil, and they are the perpetrators of this evil. Is that too hard to believe? Is that too unbelievable to believe? No, they, they wouldn't do that. They most certainly would and are, as we were told in God's word of truth that they would do. They're doing it. And we can't believe it, because it's too unbelievable. The lie is more plausible. So we reject the truth, 2 Thessalonians 2, and we open ourselves up, creating a vacuum for the perfect storm for believing the lie. Because once you reject the truth, and by the way, Romans 1 is a very good chapter to kind of fill in the blanks. I'll just mention it. I would really encourage you in your time in God's Word to spend some time in Romans 1, because God declares there that He will just give them over. Just, okay, because the Spirit of God isn't going to strive with man forever. And so your mind's already made up, your fate is already sealed, your heart is already hardened. So I'm not going to force myself on you. You've already made your decision, so I'm just going to give you over to it. So they're given over to the lie. They become vulnerable, susceptible to the lie. Why? Because they rejected the truth. Why? Because the truth is too unbelievable. Well, this brings me full circle to how we began with the truth that the truth is too unbelievable, so unbelievable that people will believe the lie. Here's the unbelievable truth. And if you hear nothing else that I've said today, please hear this. The demon-possessed conspirators and perpetrators of this demonic lie and satanic evil wants you to die. That's the truth. Is that unbelievable? That's unbelievable. Well, it's going to get worse. Those who do not die will wish they could die. That's Revelation 9, 6. Add that to your list in your time in God's Word. I mean, they're seeking death. It escapes them. They want to die, but they can't. It's even worse than that. <laughs> Multitudes will buy the lie, be deceived, having believed that they'll own nothing and be happy, all for the sake of medical survivability and environmental sustainability. 
I, I was going to ask, why are you looking at me like that? But it's more like, why am I looking at you like that? Because this, that's unbelievable. Well, believe it. <laughs> They're in your face with this. This is what the SDGs are all about. This is what the Great Reset is all about. This is what the Fourth Industrial Revolution slash Fourth Reich is all about. It's the final solution. We're going to solve the crisis that we created, the reaction that we controlled. Here's the final solution in the Hegelian dialectic. Solution? You'll own nothing and be happy, because we told you so. Well, wait a minute, why am I going to own nothing? Oh, it's for the health and safety, and it's also for the environment. Is that too unbelievable to be true? Is what I shared with you today all, and by the way, <laughs> this is only the proverbial tip of the proverbial iceberg. I mean, I've just mentioned to you a handful of unbelievable truths that people will not believe, despite the plethora of undisputable evidence proving not beyond any reasonable doubt, beyond any doubt. And yet they don't believe. It's already at work, those three words in Second Thessalonians. It's already in play. It's already beginning to come to pass as we speak. Believe it. I know it's unbelievable. I know for myself personally, I struggled greatly over the years just coming to grips with just how evil these demon-possessed conspirators, as I call them, because that's what they are. And notice I'm staying away from the word conspiracy, because the CIA already took care of that for you, I guess. Conspiracy theory. No, conspiracy. In fact, I, I love one meme I saw. Uh, totally stole this one too, so just full disclosure. Uh, conspiracy theories are actually spoiler alerts, because Bible prophecy is history in advance. As unbelievable as it is, we're told what's going to happen before it happens, so when it begins to happen, we'll believe the unbelievable. It's unbelievable, but it's true. And this is the lie that people buy but God. But God has provided to us in His love for us the truth, the Christ, as the Savior of the world, who sets us free and will very soon take us out of this world. This is why I get up every week and bless your hearts, I'm trying to not go as long, just for JB and Team Japan, for you. One week. <laughs> this is why I get up here every week and yell at you and spit on you and scream at you. And 
I hope you know I believe this with all my heart. I'm not a, just up here doing a prophecy update. I own this, man. I live this, and I believe this passionately. And to my dying breath, well, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have a dying breath. I'm going to have my last rapture breath. Because again, that's the good news, the gospel. The word gospel means good news. Your debt has been paid. You're free to go. That's good news. Wait, what debt? <laughs> We're going to talk about that in the ABCs of salvation, which is just a childlike explanation of salvation. Should God ever give you and provide you the profound privilege of sharing Jesus with somebody who needs Jesus? And by the way, people need Jesus. The A is just for admit or acknowledge that you've sinned, which is why you need the Savior. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, no one good. You might be a good person, but you'll never be good enough. No one is good, not even one, save one, Jesus the Christ. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. Keyword all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark, which is what the word sin means. It's an archery term that means I missed the bullseye. I, I fell short. You sinned. You, you missed the mark. You fell short of God's perfect standard of righteousness. And you broke one of the commandments. It's like breaking all 10 of the commandments. And we've all sinned and transgressed and broken God's perfect law. Now we're at the mercy of the judge in the court of the universe. We've been found guilty, and now we're going to be sentenced. And that's Romans 6.23. What's the sentence? Oh, it's the death sentence. The wages of sin is death. Bad news. Which <laughs> takes you like a tutor, the tutor of the Holy Spirit by the hand from the law that you broke to the Savior who fulfilled it. And He gives you, gives you this gift, freely given. Didn't, wasn't free to Him, cost Him everything. The gift, good news, the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So look how simple. I know it's unbelievable, right? You mean to tell me that I've been sentenced to death and somebody is going to go to their death in my stead? Who would do that? Well, no greater love hath any man than he would lay down his life for another. And for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him, put their trust in Him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. Too good to be true? Unbelievable but it's true. And the B, so central, is just believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. You don't have to do anything. He did everything. Romans 10, 9 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Well, wait a minute. That's, that's too easy. I know. That's too unbelievable. I know. Believe. No, that's unbelievable. I know. 
You're telling me just believe? That's not very believable to just believe. No, I'm not telling you that. God is. If you would but believe. For God so loved the world. He didn't say, for God so loved the world that whosoever would believe, fill out an application, agree to the terms of service online that we never read. You'll forgive the humor. No, you don't have to. No. What's the catch? That's another one, right? What's the catch? What's the fine print? (laughs) There's got to be the fine print before I sign on the dotted line. Well, here's the cool thing. You don't sign on the dotted line. He did. He does. He signed in his own blood for you instead of you. When God made a covenant with Abraham, affectionately referred to as the Abrahamic covenant. This where we, by the way, get our uh, uh, phrase, let's cut a deal. In that day, they would cut covenant. How? By cutting up, I know this is graphic, they would cut up animals and the two parties agreeing to the covenant would walk in the midst of the bloody cut up animals and agree to the terms of the covenant. And if they were to break that covenant, what was done to those animals would be done to them. That was a bad time to be a corporate attorney, (laughs) you know, corporate law. (laughs) That's called a deterrent. Well, what's interesting is when God told Abraham to cut the animals for the covenant, God puts Abraham into a deep sleep. And while God is walking amongst the animals, cutting covenant with Abraham, he slept through the whole thing. He agreed to no terms of this covenant. Because God does not require that we meet the requirements. It's a covenant that He has with us, the new covenant in His blood. We didn't sign it, He did in His blood. The C lastly is recall or confess with your mouth. Because if you believe in your heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's going to be the natural, I should say supernatural expression or manifestation of that belief that is in your heart? It's going to come out of your mouth. That works both ways, by the way. That's another topic for another time. What's in your heart comes out of your mouth. Romans 10, 9 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. In other words, you're going to confess with your mouth what's already in your heart, the abundance of your heart. Jesus is there. So if Jesus is in your heart, He's going to come out of your mouth and you confess Jesus as Lord. Romans 10, 13, I love it. It seals the deal. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Is that too unbelievable to be true? That's the last time I'm going to ask you. So take heart. Believe it, because it's true. Today's But God testimony is yet another testimony of someone coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of everything that's happened in and is happening in and to this Christ rejecting and dying world. Comes from Kimberly Spangler who writes, Dear J.D. and Kaneohe Calvary family, 
I want to thank you for all the wonderful sermons. I began listening to you when the vaccine was becoming mandatory for all the healthcare workers. I work at Franciscan Alliance in Michigan City, Indiana, as a medical technologist in the lab. I was told that if I did not get the vaccine, that I would be fired. Their words were, there may be no hours available to you. Unbelievable. I found on the internet that I could get a religious exemption letter from your church. I did receive the medical exemption letter and submitted it. I was denied and told I would have to have a doctor sign off on a religious exemption letter. That made no sense at all. Unfortunately, I could not get the signature from a doctor. Imagine that. I ended up getting the injection. I'm a single mom with a 14-year-old daughter. I have no family except for some cousins I very rarely see. I was so scared to take the risk of not being able to provide for my daughter. The only good thing, here's the but God, about the whole mandatory injection is that it has led me back to Christ. I began listening to your sermons and the prophecy update on your app. I thought I should at least listen to a few sermons before I turned in the exemption letter. I felt guilty and dishonest, and I was afraid God would be so upset with me for turning it in and not even being a part of your church. It worked. No. <laughs> so I began to listen to the prophecy updates and sermons. JD, I must say, I was hooked after listening to the first sermon. I felt the Lord tugging on my heart like it has never been tugged on before. I began crying. I was so overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. I have faithfully listened to a few sermons every day. I was brought up in a Christian church, but I have never read the whole Bible except for bits and pieces. I now have given my life to the Lord, and I am now His servant. I have been teaching my daughter about the rapture, good for you, and explaining to her how important it is for her to believe in God. I talked to her about His love for us, and that He is real, and that the Bible is not just a book with a bunch of characters. I told her how important it is for her to pray and to have a relationship with God, and giving her life to the Lord. I can't believe it has taken me 50 years to find Christ and feel it with every breath I take. He is wonderful, and I don't even have the words to express how grateful I am and the peace I have in my heart now. I always knew there was something missing in my life, and now I know what it was. It was God. I want to personally thank you for preaching God's Word. You are an amazing pastor. No, I'm just reading what she wrote. No, I'm just... Okay. All right. It gets better, actually. I love listening to your sermons daily, and I thirst to learn more and more about God and hearing and reading the Bible. I started in Genesis, the first chapter. This is adorable. And I hope that before the rapture, I can make it all the way through the Bible. If I don't make it all the way through before then, I'm okay with that. As you always say, Lord, come quickly. <laughs> I don't attend a church here in Michigan City as I don't know where to go. And I do work a lot of Sundays. I always contribute to Kaneohe Calvary Church because I wanted to help others find God and give their lives to Him as you have helped me 
to do. I will be forever grateful. Thank you, J.D., so much. Your church is so blessed to have you. No, yeah, no, it's the way. It, it actually gets even better. I, I'm, I'm just reading what she wrote. I also want you to know that I'm praying every day for Kelly, for God to heal her. I pray for you and your family for strength to get through this. Your church and family are my family. I love you guys, and I can't wait to say hello to all of you in heaven. Oh, by the way, I love your sense of humor. I love you. <laughs> you are so funny. That was the last one, so let me have it. I find myself laughing out loud at times as I listen to you at work with my AirPods in my ear. People probably think I am losing it. LOL. God bless all of you. Kimberly Spangler, Michigan City, Indiana. Capono, come on up. Why don't you go ahead and stand up. We'll close in song and prayer. No, not too bad. Team Japan. I'll try more better next week. <laughs> Father, thank you. Thank you for humor. You created humor. You invented humor, and you gave us humor. It's medicinal. It's therapeutic. It's healing. So, Lord, thank you for humor. Lord, thank you for salvation. <laughs> thank you for the gospel. Thank you for its simplicity, its beauty. Lord, I know that as I pray, there are many who are really hurting and struggling. And a prophecy update like the one today can bring much needed hope. But at the same time, until that time, when that trumpet sounds, there's just this reliance upon you to just get through the day. So Lord, I pray for everyone that is downcast, discouraged, the discouragement giving way to despair, Lord, that you would lift them up. Lift them up, Lord. You're the lifter of our heads. Strengthen and encourage their hearts. Renew their hope in our blessed hope of your soon return. And Lord, for anyone who has never made the most important decision of their life for eternal life, I pray that they would make that decision today and not delay. May today be the day of their salvation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.